name we bless you, Jesus. Bless you. I know. I'm sure. I, I'm sorry. I just got to sing that song. <laughs> I just I can't pass it up. I've got to sing. You know, I, hey, it came out when I was in high school, so you know it was blaring on my eight track, and then it was blaring on my cassette player. Yeah, see, y'all younger people going, what is an eight track player? You'll never understand. And a cassette player having to put the pencil in there to re-roll it back into place. Anyways, hey, we're in week number two of our series, Flirting with Disaster, and the, the realization of that temptation's all around us. Temptation's all around us, and we, we tend to, as humans, fall into that temptation trap. You know, we, we flirt with that temptation, we flirt with those different desires, and then we end up in a disastrous situation. And so we started the series last week. It's going to be five weeks total. We're in week two, so three more weeks after this. And this week we're going to be touching on two different um, lusts or two different things that I think we flirt with that can lead us to disaster. But first I want to start out. Back in 2015, they did a survey of like incoming freshmen at the university. And wanted to quit, you know, they were asking different questions and asking about their goals and their aspirations for while they were in college or, or after you get out of college, what are your goals, what are your aspirations? And 81.9% actually checked becoming very well off financially as an essential or very important life objective. So incoming college students... I want to be very well off financially. Man, that sounds familiar, don't it? Uh, that's what you hear not only on incoming college freshmen, but you hear it in the world today. So it's really not a, this uncommon. Um, people kind of figure this, hey, the more money I have, the happier I'm going to be. The more satisfied my life will be. The more stuff I get, the happier I'm going to be, right? That's kind of the way the world works. That's kind of the way the world thinks. Um, they all had this expectation back in 2015 that when they graduated college, they would all get jobs starting out at $75,000 a year. <laughs> that was some pretty high expectations, right? And, and, and now you think about it, that was 2015. We're 2023. How much do you think they're going to make now? You notice I said think because the reality is you know, you go and you get your college degree, and then you're like, man, I got this degree in engineering, and you apply for a job, and what do they tell you? You need five years' experience. Uh, how am I going to get experience? Well, I don't know, but I got a degree. Well, that's okay. A degree means nothing if you don't have experience. And, you know, and then, well, what about my college debt? Well, you know, all these different things that they don't think about, but I want to be financially secure. I want to make all this money, and I'm going to do this, and 
Then life happens. Now, one of the people who actually did the survey, one of the researchers, is a psychologist named Jonathan Haidt. <clears throat> he said this, Wealth itself has only a small direct effect on happiness because it so effectively speeds up, the, speeds up life's treadmill. As the level of wealth has doubled or tripled in the last 50 years, the levels of happiness and satisfaction with life have not changed. And depression has become more common. Gee, go figure. Yeah, we, we get all this more stuff and we're, we're trying to move forward and we got all these goals in our life and, and then, you know, people aren't reaching their goals. They're getting out of college. They got all this debt. They're, they're not making $75,000 a year. What happens next? Depression. And that's why you see depression so rampant, actually even still in the world today. And, and unfortunately, it never ends. This cycle goes on and on and on. Hey, I, I made this. I need to make more. I need more stuff. I need this. And it's this vicious cycle that goes on and on in our life. And, and it leads to us with two problems, envy and greed. So and I want to start out today, I think there's this link between both envy and greed. And, and understand, envy envy is this slight temptation. It, it's this slight temptation that presents itself very normal in our Western culture. It, it's very normal for us. However, envy steals exactly what we're looking for when we seek it out. It, it steals that true happiness. When, when we start to have envy for something and, and we... We really, you know, we, we want it, and it kind of steals our joy. It steals our happiness from us. And the reality of the whole thing is this. Focusing on what you don't have rather than what you do will always bring envy. And envy will always bring greed and disaster. They work hand in hand. They're like the twin brothers or twin sisters out there. And they're always going to work with each other. So I wanted to dig in first. And before we kind of really dig into envy and greed, I want to see what the Bible says or what Jesus said and, and what his word says about what can be the solution. So we're going to kind of look at the solution first. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry. There is one in the back of the pew, as always. It will be up here on the screen. So 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So the first thing I want to say here is, is the Apostle Paul is not, and nor did Jesus ever say, money's a bad thing. Okay, I want you to understand that. There is nothing wrong with money. There's actually nothing wrong with being wealthy. 
There's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. If you look in the Bible, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were all wealthy. They were all wealthy people. King David was very wealthy. King David actually put millions of dollars aside, set it aside for the building of the temple. And his son Solomon was wealthy. It even tells us in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 23, King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the world in riches and in wisdom. See, none of them were condemned because of their wealth. And the reason none of them were condemned because of their wealth is because they were not only wealthy with monetary things and stuff, but they were rich in their relationship with God. And, and that makes a big difference, being rich in our relationship with God, having that relationship, relying on Him for everything, not relying on the stuff that we gain. So being wealthy is not a bad thing. It, it, there's really nothing wrong with it at all. Um, and, and you look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, even Solomon, even with their wealth, they put their trust in God. They put their trust in God for everything they did, and they relied on God to guide them in their path. Now, of course, if we're going to talk about envy and greed, I guess I want to start with greed first. And if we're going to start with greed, we got to know what it means, right? So, the dictionary defines greed as this. Any excessive desire, especially for wealth or possessions. Makes sense. Biblical greed is defined this way. Covetousness, materialism, the desire for more things, lusting for a greater number of temporal things that go beyond what God determines is eternally best or beyond God's preferred will for your life. Greed is this never-ending desire. It's this never-ending compulsion to get more of anything you think that will make you content. Think about that. This is going to make me content, and what do you want? I want more of it. And you're going to do everything you can possibly do to get more of it so that you think you can be content. And you're going to continue to go and, you know, because I got to get more to make me safe, to make me secure, to make me happy. I need all this stuff just to be happy. And the reality is it's really not going to make you happy. Uh, understand uh, another good thing is, guess what? You don't have to be rich or wealthy to be greedy. Okay, so if you think, it's just, oh, it's just those rich people are greedy, uh-uh. It ain't just rich people who are greedy. You know, uh, greed runs, it has no qualms on how much you think you have or how much you don't think you have in the bank. Greed affects everybody. Greed affects little kids. What's the first thing a little kid says? Mine. I want. Mine. It's mine. It, it, it's instilled into us at a young age. Greed is about wanting more but it's wanting more in, in a way that you believe will actually satisfy you and make your life better. So it's not just, hey, I want more. It's if I get more, I'm going to be more satisfied. My life is going to be so much better. Sound familiar? 
Yeah, my life is going to be so much better. And every time I see that person with that Ford F-150 Raptor and I picture myself driving it, I'm like, yeah, that's going to make me happy. No, it ain't. No, I might be happy for about that long. I might be happy until I got to fill it with gas. You know, I might be happy until, you know, I live in South Florida and I park it in public's parking lot and I come outside and where's it got? A dent and a scratch in it. Okay, but but <laughs> you think about it, the, this whole greed thing <clears throat> is a thinking about, hey, I, I, I need it, I want it, I'm going to feel better, so i got to do what I can do to get it. So I may cheat a little bit, I may lie a little bit, I, I may actually steal a little bit or fudge some numbers in order to get it. I've just got to have it, so I'm going to do what it takes because I need it for me. You notice that is that me and my satisfaction so it all gets back to that me myself and I attitude worried about me because I'm the most important person in my life just like you are the most important person in your life and you've got to have it in order to feel better about yourself because man I'm gonna be happy until someone gets a new one you know it it just boggles my mind as you know you see all these things and some of you probably went through it. You know, a family member passes away and you got to go through the, the whole, hey, they didn't have a will or, or they had a will and, and this person gets this and this person gets that. And I love the, the Chewy commercial where the, where the cat gets the boathouse and everyone's upset and it's like, well, you got the train set. But the realization is that happens in real life. And it's been going on forever. People will argue about an inheritance and it'll break a family apart and you even see it in Luke chapter 12. You have a young man come up to Jesus, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. Jesus kind of blows him off. But it's a reality that it, it happens. But there's another story in Luke 12 that I think really touches on the whole greed side of this. And it's the guy who had the big harvest. If you remember... He had this great harvest, and he said, I must build all these barns to keep my harvest. Now, mind you, there's nothing wrong with him having a great harvest. There was nothing wrong with him building barns to contain his harvest. Guess what? He was putting away for his future. He was saving for his retirement, which is a good thing. It's biblical. We need to save for our retirement. The problem is his attitude towards it, where his heart was and his attitude and in Luke chapter 12, verses 19 through 21, as Jesus is telling the story, he says this, Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, um, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasures for himself and, get this, is not rich towards God. Now remember, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon, they were all rich towards God. Here Jesus used the same things. He was not rich towards God. So, so Jesus isn't saying that the wealth is bad. He's not saying that storing it up is bad. What he's saying is this guy was not rich with God. God was not first on his list. He was worried about everything else. And I honestly believe if this story was a little different and the man said, hey, I've got 
all of this. I've got this great abundance, this great harvest. I'm going to build all these barns. But wait, I need to give this first to God. There's some needy people. I need to give this to some needy people. And then stored up everything else, the whole story would have been that much different. Because he would have been rich in God. He would have been looking at not only giving his first fruits to the Lord, but then helping others in need. At that point, it's a whole different story. It's not about storing it up for himself. Instead of saying, I will eat, drink, and enjoy myself. He's saying, I'm going to give God what he needs. I'm going to give to the poor and help those others. And then, guess what? I'm going to be able to eat, drink, and be merry. I can hang out then. I've done what I did, and I've been blessed by God to have this great abundance. There's nothing wrong with the great abundance if we do what is right with it. It's where we turn our focus. <coughs> and if you look, his was more about accumulating and hoarding than it was honoring God and being rich towards God in what God had provided for him. Now, remember, the, that whole biblical definition of greed was lusting for a greater number of temporal things that go beyond what God determines. So when we're coveting or we're lusting after something, it becomes our focus and our desire. So now with greed kind of down, let's go ahead. Before we look at the, a real answer on how to do this, let's look at envy. So, so envy, uh, like I said, I think envy and greed are really linked together. Um, they're like twin brothers or twin sisters. And, and ultimately, when we covet or we lust for more, um, when we're... When our accumulating, you know, isn't happening. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Man, I need all this stuff. I need to get all this money in the bank. I need all this stuff that, you know, just because I got the prettiest garage and I got the prettiest house and, and I need to add more to it. And, and you're struggling. You're going through this life saying, I just need more, more, more. And you're working longer hours. You got a side hustle going on. You're doing all these different things, and, and, and you just—it's not coming to you, man. I'm just not getting ahead. I, I need to get it. I, I want it. it I, I've got to have it. And, and now you're fighting with your wife about money, or you're fighting with your husband about money, and, and your family's driving you crazy, and, and you're just going nuts. And then all of a sudden, your neighbor shows up and says, "Man, I just got a promotion. Man, look at my brand new furniture." co-worker pulls up in a brand new Ford F-150 Raptor. <laughs> Shows off new diamond, you know, diamond necklace. Meanwhile, what are you doing? Man, you're fuming, aren't you? You're about ready to come unglued. You're, you're sitting there, you're like, I can't believe, God, I can't believe this car. The, the, how do you get that car? Why did they get this? Lord, they don't deserve that. I deserve that. Oh my, God, it's unfair. Sound familiar? I think we've been there. Man, I have been working my butt off. God, I'm doing all this for you. And here, John gets a brand new Ford Raptor. What's going on here? Lord, I just don't understand. Lord, I thought I was doing all this for you. But now Kathy has a brand new car. Isn't it crazy? And we get so frustrated. And that's where that... Greed turns into this envy, and guess what? I want to have it because they don't deserve it. I deserve it more than they do. That's when you know 
it's becoming bigger than what you thought. When you think you deserve it, and unfortunately in today's society, everyone thinks they deserve something. What a lot of people deserve is a butt whooping because they didn't get it when they were growing up. They never had to go draw a switch. And y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You go, and don't bring a flimsy one back. You know, don't bring a flimsy switch back. But wait, I deserve this. I just, it, it, it's all about me. It's all about, I, I've got to have it. And, and no, you don't. See, so envy. Envy is actually design, uh, defined as this. The desire to have for oneself something possessed by another. To covet. A feeling of discontent or covetousness with regard to another's advantages, successes, possessions, etc. They've got it. I want it. They don't deserve it. I deserve it. And here's the problem. There are times we will do whatever it takes to get it. To include possibly even going over and stealing it. Which is pretty sad, right? You think about it. It will drive you to think, Man, I bet I could go over there and I could take that and they'd never even know it was me. They'd never expect a pastor. What do you mean the pastor broke into my house? <laughs> you know, you, you think about it, it's a reality. But but it happens like that. And I guarantee in your life there's times that and maybe not as much as an adult as when you were younger, but as a youngster, man, I remember a friend of mine got a new bike. Man, I want that bike. Now I want the, I just want the rims on that bike. And you actually would start to process how you could get it, which was pretty sad. That's envy. That is where greed has turned into envy, and you've got a serious problem. And it's going to continue to get worse and worse as you continue to think that you deserve something. Well, I got to admit, I'm, I'm happy. You know, football season started. Woohoo! How about them hurricanes, by the way, knocking off Texas A&M? Oh, how, how, way even better. Down goes Bama. <laughs> Anyways, so, so there, there's, a, there's an NFL player. He made $25 million last year. And he's holding out this year to play because he wants $30 million. So, hey, I made $25 million last year. I want $30 million this year. You know, and I'm not going to play if I don't get $30 million. Now, now, I understand everything they go through, and I, I was looking at it, and, and the player happens to be out in California, and if you look at the way taxes work out in California, if they actually say, I'm going to pay you $30 million this year, he's only going to take home $12 million. Only 12, I, I think I could live off of that. Yeah. Yeah, if you think 52 weeks in the year, $12 million, $231,000 a week. I think I could live off of that. But, but the reality is here, he's saying, I need this much. I need $5 million more than last year. And you think about it, at the end, he's really only going to make $12 million. He's only going to take home that much money. Now, like I said, I, I could live off of that. But what's going to happen in a couple years? That $30 million is going to be, I need more. I need this much more. Oh, well, if you don't give me this much more, I'm just going to go play for, with somebody else. You know, it's kind of like when we were kids in the sandbox, I'm going to take my toys and go home. You know, we, we kind of run into the same thing. 
like I was, you know, it's, it's that greed, it's that envy part, and, and you know, so you got the, the football player, and then earlier I talked about inheritance, and there's an attorney that was talking about a whole inheritance thing, and, and these two sisters came to the attorney's office and said, hey, we're upset because my brother in the trust got the family farm. And we want a piece of it. We, we don't think he deserves it. We want a piece of it. So the attorney kind of did some research, and, and he asked the ladies, he says, well, did you guys ever do any work on the farm? No. Well, why is your brother getting the farm? Well, he did all the work, and, and he took care of my parents. Okay, so he worked the farm. He took care of your parents. You never worked the farm. Did you take care of your parents? No. Okay, so... If your brother took care of the farm and your parents, you didn't do any of that. Why do you, why do you think you, well, because we deserve it. It's a family farm. We deserve our part. So the attorney did some more digging, and he come to find out that there was a clause in the trust fund. So he told the two sisters, say, hey, there's this clause in this trust fund that says if anyone goes against the trust, and you still come up that the trust, you're still not getting it, it's still going to go to your brother, you lose anything you would have gotten. And guess what? So if you want to take this to court, if you win, you may get some of the family farm. But if you lose, your brother gets everything, including what you were going to get. The attorney never heard from the two women again. Because the reality is, that's what we are. We think we deserve something. We think, well, it, it's ours. And then all of a sudden, when we come to find out that, you know, hey, we want it so bad that we can't get it, and we may lose everything. Oh, I don't want it that bad. What, what, what do you mean? I, I, I can't. Well, I'm, I'm going to keep what I got. All of a sudden, we become very satisfied with what we have if we think it's going to be taken away. And, and, and that's what happens with our life. we got to understand that that. When we feel like we deserve something, we're getting ourselves in trouble. Proverbs 14.30 says this, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. In other words, if you're at peace in your heart, if you're content, it actually gives you life. You're able to continue to move forward in your life and you can actually be content. You, you can live a life that, that you're called to live. And, and, you know, the same thing, unfortunately, in today's world, man. Have you, you all watch TV? Have you ever seen the advertisements that are out there today? You watch these advertisements. It's, you've got to have this, right? If you want to be content, you've got to buy this product. No, I don't. You can show me all the hair club for men commercials you want. I, I don't need it. I don't need hair club for maybe if someone else does. You know, get your real hair back. Guess what? I still got my real hair. Thank God. I can be content with that. But then the other thing, you know, you see these car, car commercials, man. You got, you got to have this brand new BMW electric car. See, we're not the first electric car, but we're the best electric car because it had to pass our engineering and our specific, and it had to be exactly like a BMW is 
before we came. That's why we weren't the first, but we're the best. You got to have it. Really? No, I don't. But you know how many people see that commercial? Oh, man, I need to get it. I need to get this car. I need to get this product. I need it because if I get that, I will be happy. I will be content. I will be safe and yeehaw for about that long. But we fall into these gaps all the time. We, we fall into it and we get caught up in life. We get caught up in, in what we believe we want, what we believe we need, and it just gets to I want it. But see, back in verse 6 and 7 of 1 Timothy, it said, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. In other words, whatever you have, count it as a gain. Count what you have as a gain. In the hymn, Count Your Blessings, it actually says this. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. See, the problem is we don't count our blessings. We don't count what God's already given us. Oh, that was so yesterday. It's not today. I didn't get it this morning, so it don't count anymore, right? But we're told to count our blessings. It's amazing how much we actually realize that we have when we actually count the blessings that we've received. And what a difference it makes in your life when you can sit there and say, man, I am blessed because God has done this, 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 and this. Here's a reality for you. If you live in a house, apartment, condo, trailer, whatever, if you have a place where you live and there is a roof over your head, you are better off than the majority of the people in the world. Think about that. In the world. But unfortunately, here in this Western culture, this Western civilization, Man, I, I need so much more than this. We get so caught up with what someone else has that we think that we need more, and then we actually think that we deserve it. I deserve to be better than this person next to me because I work harder than them. You don't know if you work harder than them. Guess what? They could be burning the midnight oil while you're sleeping. They could be out there doing something, but you don't know it. You just happen to see them when they're sitting on their front porch or when they're hanging out and doing something. You don't see what they do the whole time, but you will honestly and, and unfortunately, as in this Western culture, we've got to be better than our next-door neighbor. We, we try and keep up with the Joneses. i got to be better than them. i got to have more than them. And the, the media, the... The advertisers just continue to make it worse and worse and throw it even more at you. That you got to have this and we need to realize just count what we have. And, and, and it starts with that relationship with Jesus. Everything we have starts with the blessing that Jesus and the gift that he gave us. Jesus willingly went to a cross to die for us. The greatest gift any of us could ever have, Jesus did for us. And we need to count that blessing. We need to count it for what it is. He loved you so much, he went to a cross and died. That's a blessing. 
That is something, guess what? We didn't deserve it. We still don't deserve it, but yet he did it for us. Count the blessings that we have. Understand that we have someone who suffered for us. We have someone who gives us hope, who gives us future. He gives us grace and mercy every day. And Lord knows we all need grace and mercy and we all need love. We get that from Jesus on a daily basis, but most of us don't count that as a blessing. We don't count that as something that we have in our lives. But he gives it to us every day. He's the one who makes us strong and courageous. He's the one who helps us to move forward. He's the one who willingly says, I love you. And we take it for granted. We don't count that blessing. The realization that when it's said and done, Jesus is already preparing a room for you. He's already said, yours is the kingdom. Guess what? I would rather have a kingdom than a house on the beach. I would rather be part of the kingdom than have all the money in the world. Because the reality is, I can't take you with me. And all that's going to happen is my kids are going to fight over it when I'm gone. And they're going to be upset. How come Dalton got this much? How come I only got this much? Well, he happened to be the only boy, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> but the, re you know, the reality is there'll be arguments when you're gone by your kids, by your siblings. And guess what? They could be an only child and they're going to find someone to fight with. They're going to argue, what do you mean you're taking this much of it just because you're my attorney? There's always something that, that falls into it where we get that greed and that envy part of it. <clears throat> and, and we just need to know that God is the giver of our greatest blessings and accept what he gives us on a daily basis. Luke 12, 31, 32, as Jesus continued with the farmer uh, who built all the farms, he says this, but seek his kingdom and these things will be provided for you don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. He wants to give you the kingdom. And we're so stuck on what someone else has. We're stuck on, I deserve something. He's giving you something you don't deserve. Take it. Be content. Live your life with what he's called you to do. He wants to give you the kingdom. He wants to give you his, your next home. Think about that. He wants to give you your next home. And we're too busy on earth trying to figure out where our next home's going to be. Now I will tell you, when I retire, I'm going to get a home in the Carolinas if God allows me to stay around that long. If he don't come back, the way things are going, he may come back soon. Without Jesus, there's no contentment. And I think contentment is what helps us get over envy and greed. You want to overcome envy and greed, you've got to be content with what you have. You, you've got to be willing to say, I've got exactly what I need, and I'm able to move forward with that. Jesus continued in the, in the verse in Luke, and he said, Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old an inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Having the faith in Jesus leads to contentment and ultimately it leads to a generous heart and a generous spirit. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be generous. You know what? If God gives you abundance, be generous. What do you say? Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Give God back his. Be generous with your tithe. Give your tithe to the Lord. Give him his tenth. It's his anyways. He's the one supplying your harvest. So if he's supplying it, give him his first. Then give to others. Help the poor. Help those in need. Do what he called you to do, because here's the reality. You can't outgive God. And, and if you are being right with God, you're, you're doing what God called you to do and called you to be, you're going to continue to see the blessings. He's going to continue to provide for you. He's going to continue to give you that harvest to where you can continue to be content in him doing what he called you to do. But you've got to be in the right spirit and have the right heart for our Lord. Remember, as I said at the beginning, we, we, we don't obsess over our neighbor's lawn. We can't worry about their house, their car, uh, their bank account. Don't obsess about it because ultimately envy is a sly temptation that presents itself as normal in our life, especially in the Western culture. Envy is all around us. We see it every place we go, but all it's going to do is steal your happiness. What true happiness you're looking for, envy is going to steal it. Envy is going to take it from you. And remember, focusing on what you don't have rather than what you do will always bring envy, and envy will always bring greed and disaster. You want to be content? Stop comparing your life to everybody else's. Stop comparing what you have and what you don't have with your next-door neighbor or with another family member. Be content. No, if you've got a relationship with Jesus, you can be content because guess what? You know where you're going to spend eternity. And I would rather know I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus than worry about stuff here on earth. So contentment. Contentment will help overcome greed and envy every day. But you got to be content. You got to take that time. And, and, and as it said in that hymn, count your blessings. Count your blessings. You got a roof over your head, that's a blessing. That is a blessing. And most of us just look past it. I need a bigger house. Well, I need a house. I don't like this townhouse. I don't like this apartment. I don't like this truck, whatever it may be. I need a house. And then you get a house and you need a bigger house. One thing I think we all realize as we get older, downsizing is a good thing. <laughs> and something else we all learn as we get older, we don't need, it's not about money. <clears throat> it is not about money. I would rather have relationships with others and be right with the Lord than have money. Of course, that F-150 Raptor still gets me. <laughs> I still look at it. You know, I still love my Harley. People are like, why don't you sell it? Mm -mm. I'm going to try and take it to heaven with me. 
going to be rolling thunder. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> to be content, it starts with a relationship with Jesus. That's where it starts. And I want to let you know, if you're here today and you don't have that relationship with Jesus, and maybe you're dealing with greed and envy and you're like, Pastor, you just don't understand. I got to have it all because I got nothing. I don't even have Jesus. And I'm not good enough. He'll never accept me because I'm just messed up and I'm jacked up. And that's okay. You can be messed up and jacked up but know you're loved. Because here's the reality. We're all sinners. We all fall short of glory of God. Every one of us, every one of us in this room, every one of us joined church online, anyone who's watching this at a later date, guess what? You're a sinner, and you're probably sitting next to a sinner if you're sitting next to anyone. Because the people inside every pew in here, if you look to the person to your left or right, they are a sinner just like you. You look up here, guess what? I'm a sinner just like you. The difference is what the sin is. But ultimately, guess what? Sin is sin. It don't matter. It don't matter what your sin is and what my sin is. We're still sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. But like I said, God loved us enough that he sent his son to die on a cross for our sins. So all those sins you've ever done in your life, Jesus died on the cross. He paid for it all on the cross. The sin you're going to do future in your life, Jesus already paid for that sin. All he's asking you is to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Accept him to rule over your life and, and, and become that bond servant to him. Being obedient to what he calls you to do. And God's word says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where contentment starts. That's where it starts. And maybe you're here and you're like, man, pastor, I've done all that. I've accepted Jesus, but man, I, I still want what Tracy's got. <laughs> I, I, I still want it. Well, you need to take that time with the Lord. Take that time and count your blessings. Count what he's already given you. You don't need what they've got. Because here's the guarantee that I'll tell you. If I had Tracy come up here and say, Tracy, give me all your problems and put them right here. And then come over here and say, Mike, you want what Tracy got, right? You want what he's got? Here, come get his problems too. You ain't going to come. Uh-uh. I got my own problems. I don't need his. I just want his stuff. Be content with what you have. And if you're struggling with that at the end of the service, there's going to be some prayer partners up here. You can come up here and they will pray with you and for you about helping you to remain content in your relationship with Jesus. Amen? And if you've never accepted Jesus, I want to encourage you. Today is the day of salvation. Make that move today. Come up here and be, meet with one of these prayer partners. They will pray with you. They'll talk with you about salvation. And you can guarantee today that your tomorrow is going to be in the kingdom. That Jesus is making you a room and that he wants to give you keys to his kingdom. And you can pick them keys up today. And then work on being content. Amen? <coughs> Heavenly Father.
we come to you today and we just thank you. We thank you for your blessings. And Lord, we ask that you forgive us where we fail to see your blessings on our life. Lord, where we fail to see what you've provided for us, and instead we get that greed where we want more, and, and then we get that envy because we think we deserve something. Lord, we deserve nothing. We deserve nothing at all in this life. Lord, we don't even deserve you. But yet you loved us enough to die on a cross for us. Lord, you love us enough to invite us into your kingdom, to be a part of your kingdom and live eternally with you. Lord, help us to be content. Help us to be content on this earth Help us to seek you first. And Lord, know that you will provide everything that we need. And Lord, you also supply some of our wants. And we're gracious and thankful for that. But Lord, help us see you for who you are and what you want us to do. And Lord, make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, Give My Life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.